we're in a series that we've titled Momentum. It kicked off last Sunday, and last Sunday we started with this new theme for year seven. For the life of our church, we rolled into a new birthday, and I really felt the Holy Spirit put a word on my heart that we could lean into and unpack and get to know familiar. Over the course of this year, we're going to be talking about Momentum. Momentum, by definition, is forward motion. I'll put a few of these up on the screen here. Forward motion. And let me give you those definitions one more time really quick. Um, it's this idea of, of, of a body moving forward. It's strength or force gained by motion. Momentum is generally used to mean increasing forward motion. So in case you weren't here last week, that's what we talked about, how we're going to have forward motion as a church. Uh, I talked about these four things that are most known for momentum, we'll put these up, uh, a train, a baseball, a heavy truck, a bullet. But I want to see the church bump up into the top five, amen? I want people to think, you know what has momentum on it? The church of Jesus Christ. Did you know there was once a time in history where the church was the most momentous thing alive? It was actually the, the, the church of Jesus Christ that, that flipped the world upside down, the Emperor Nero in Rome was tripping out because the church was so electric and so on fire and moving at such a momentous pace that everybody had to take notice. People were generous in radical ways. People were sharing things with each other. People were helping make a difference. People were getting healed on the spot. Thousands of people were coming to know Jesus, repenting of sin, turning from sinful lifestyles and turning to faith in Jesus, people were saying sorry, like Bob and Lois said. Right? People were saying, hey, I want to do better. I want to stop cheating. I want to start living. I want to start moving with the Lord. And, and today I would say, I don't know that the church would be known for its momentum. But what if Walk Church in Las Vegas, Nevada could be the change that we really want to see, Amen. Anybody just want to see momentum? Does it, any, anybody want to see Las Vegas more known as the city of him rather than the city of sin? People think about Las Vegas and they think, man, sin has momentum out there. And I want to see that changed. And I believe we are seeing that changed. And so we're leaning into that word, that phrase, that thought. And when I just really dug a little bit deeper, I said, Lord, what, what are the areas our church needs to experience momentum in? He gave me three. That we would experience momentum in family, we'd experience momentum in leadership development, and we'd experience momentum holistically, right, in the kingdom of God. That we would see kingdom momentum. It wouldn't just be inward momentum, it would be outward momentum. That, that this season would produce more church planting, more global missions, more people living on mission in the workplace. One of the things I love is when people say, this is my coworker," or when people say, this is my neighbor, we're thinking kingdom, right? Kingdom. And so those are the three areas of momentum we, we want to see. And I can't wait for the day that this front row experiences momentum, all right? Front row, I love y'all. One day, all right? One day someone's going to get bold and brave. I'm just playing. I'm not playing. Let's keep going. All right. Examples of momentum. Okay. Hey, let's go, Storm. Let's go. Thank you. I did see Eliana and, and Pastor Mike. Pastor Mike's like, hold up, I'm on my way. I'm coming out. Let me get my coffee, all right? I'm just trying to get my coffee. That's all I'm doing. I love it. No shade, no shade, I promise. Um, today I want to go ahead and just jump into that first word that I mentioned when it comes to experiencing momentum. It's the word family. Come on, everybody say family. 
family. I said this last week. Let me say it again for my note takers in the room. Write this down. The church is not an event you go to. The church is a family you belong to. Oh, come on. Come on, family. Let's go. Go ahead and level up one time. Ooh, all of a sudden, the atmosphere just got better up here. I love it. The church is not an event you go to. In fact, it could be an erroneous statement to say, I'm going to go to church. That was never the correct biblical understanding of the ecclesia. The Greek word for church, ecclesia, was not an event you went to. I don't go to church. The word church, ecclesia, is called out individuals that are gathered on mission. Is actually language that generals and sergeants used when it came to war. They would say, where's the church? It was a military word that we've adopted and turned into a one-hour event on a Sunday. Now, I understand the concept of it because we gather together as the church, and we experience God in powerful ways here. But church was never meant solely to be an event you go to. It was meant to be a, a family you belong to. And so we're talking about family momentum. So as we lean into family momentum, over the next couple weeks, we're going to dig deeper into this topic. But I wanted to start out with a reality statement to help you just get your heart and your mind wrapped around where we're going. Here's this reality statement. That the church, when it comes to thinking about church as a family, that you don't first belong to a church family. You first belong to God's family. Right? Let me... Let me share it like this. Before joining a church family, you first must join God's family. I want to encourage you with that because God has a family. God has sons. God has daughters. In the family of God, there's brothers and sisters. Sometimes we use this phrase that the church isn't like a family. The church is a family. And it's because you joined God's family, you were adopted into his family through faith in Jesus, and now you're part of this thing, and then you find a local church that you can belong to and experience relationship, discipleship, church growth with, kingdom momentum with, and you say, this is my church family. But before you join a church family, you need to join God's family. And I would say both are essential, but get the order right. Get the order right. I think it would kind of almost be weird if you're like, man, this is my church family. I don't believe any of it. That's not, I don't believe this stuff, but man, the people are great. <laughs> to me, that I like, I still think you should come, but you're more of a friend than family. Yeah. And it's okay because friends are great, but we want to know who's a friend and who's a family. Like, right, we talked about it. Maybe, friends might not just walk up in the refrigerator all freely, <laughs> but family, that's theirs. We're on mission to, together. And so we're talking about what that may be. And, Hey, you might say, man, that makes me feel a little bit of tension. And I'm saying that's the best thing you could feel. Because that might force you. Momentum's force. And we're not trying to force anybody to do anything, but that might force you to think about it. That might help you to process, what do I believe? What do I think about Jesus? I didn't know I could be a part of God's family. And that's what we want to talk about here today. So if you're ready, say ready. ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. let's eat. Father, as we get ready to eat from your word right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts 
to see you clearly. Help us to believe what we just sang. Our life is not our own. To you, I belong. God, I pray that there would be people today online and in the room that, that, that become a part of God's family. That they move from an orphan to a family member. That they would move from the family of the demonic to the family of the Savior. That we would take hold of Jesus, that you would open people's eyes. I pray for regeneration. I pray for Holy Spirit activity that changes somebody's life for eternity. I pray that there would be a new birth that happens in the room today for somebody and they never are the same again. I pray that, Holy Spirit, there would be an unlocking, an unloosing, an illuminating for individuals that say, I want Jesus more than I ever have and nothing's going to stop me. I pray for that type of momentum today and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want you to use your imagination with me. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a picture book reader, so I'd like to go to the pictures. I like to try to envision. When I read the Bible, I try to put myself in the story. Like, it'll be a random story about Joseph in the colorful coat with his brothers, and Joseph gets thrown into the pit, and then Haydn is in the pit with him. I just try to read the uh, Jesus is on the journey walking. I'm the 13th disciple, all right? I'm just there. I'm just watching. I'm observing. I just want to put myself in the story and try to catch it. I try to feel it. Try to, try to envision the scripture, amen? There's a way to read the Bible where it doesn't just read like a history book. It reads like a relational book. The word of God is living and active, discerning your heart. And so I, I, I do that. So I, I want you to try to visualize this moment. It's nighttime, all right? Outside, evening time, Jesus in his cool Jesus sandals is walking down the streets in Galilee and he sees this guy in the corner looking at him a little bit suspicious. The guy looking at him a little suspicious is dressed like a religious leader. He was a Pharisee. In fact, let's call him Pastor Nicodemus, all right? The original Saint Nick. No, thank you for the chuckle there, Pastor Mike. Um, Nicodemus is this religious man who has aspirations and intention to really worship God, but at this point, he is a bit perplexed as he has been hearing about this, this, this man named Jesus who's claiming to be the Messiah. In fact, in the previous chapter, Jesus just turned water into wine and did a miracle at a wedding that blew everybody's minds. Jesus has begun to call the disciples. The great man of God, John the Baptist, has pivoted from his ministry and has now said everybody begin to follow Jesus. John the Baptist says, I was just here to point you to the way. Now Jesus begins leading the way. And Nicodemus is in the background watching, thinking, this is different. I got to follow up with him. I got to find him. And so in the cool watch of the night, Jesus is strolling down. The street, and Nicodemus goes, psst, psst, come here, Jesus. That's how I envision it, all right? Are we all there? Yeah. Are you in the story? Come on, look at John chapter 3 with me, and this is where we pick it up in the scriptures here today. John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named 
Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Come on, that's a big statement to have. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, everybody say born again, born again, again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Startling, profound statement from Jesus there. In fact, Jesus doesn't entertain the small talk. He doesn't say, I know my miracle was pretty dope. (laughs) Jesus doesn't say, hey, yeah, you know, um, I was working on that one for a while. Uh, What's your name? Jesus says, actually, you're right, truly. Let me go ahead and take it at a next level. Unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? He's using humor and sarcasm in this conversation with Jesus. Jesus answered, truly, truly, double trulys, come on. You know this true. Truly, Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And even when you read the Bible, it's important to notice when you see the capital S's and lowercase s's, Jesus is talking about being born of the capital S, Spirit of God. He says, do not marvel that I said To you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus even uses a metaphor with the wind to describe somebody being born again. He says, you might not be able to see it happen, kind of like the wind, but you can definitely feel it when it happens. That when somebody is born again, there is a spirit, a rushing wind. In fact, the spirit of God that takes you and transforms you from death to life. And it doesn't matter if you're 50 years old or 5 years old or 80 years old or 100 years old or 21 years old or like me in my college dorm room when I was 18. And the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of my heart through hearing the gospel. And in a moment, I was born again. It wasn't a physical rebirth. It was an internal and spiritual rebirth. And it's in that moment of birth, being born again, check this out, that you are born into a new family. It's called the family of God. That is what the scripture is alluding to. Jesus is saying, I'm not here to discuss about the miracle of turning water into wine. I'm here to discuss about the miracle of turning your heart into a new person. I'm here, Nicodemus, to transform lives. I'm here to save people. In fact, Jesus is here to start a new family. And this is exactly what he's doing here in the text. In John chapter 3, he's alluding to this. He's, he's showing Nicodemus, this is the focus of what I'm doing. 
I want to talk about three areas when it comes to being born again, when it, when it comes to joining the family of God, when it comes to this topic that we're talking about. I want to talk about three things that happen when it comes to joining God's family. I want to talk about the why. I want to talk about the what. I want to talk about the how. This is one of the deepest topics in scripture, by the way. So you're jumping into the deep end of Christianity today, but it's really at the same time the beginning, amen? Amen. And we go a little bit deeper here at Walk Church, so just buckle your seatbelt and let's eat. Come on, you ready? Let me talk to you today about three ways somebody is born again. Number one, it's through this big R word, it's regeneration. Regeneration is an interesting topic. Regeneration is the reality that a person can be generated again and have new eyes, new heart, new mind, new spirit. That's what regeneration is. It's new life. It's all of a sudden I see different, feel different, look different, sound different. I'm different. In fact, today, if you would say, I became a believer in Jesus, and I was actually the same as when I wasn't a believer in Jesus. Can I just tell you, you've never been regenerated. You've never been born again. When you're born again, you know it. When, you, when you're born again, you can't do the same things you once did. You're a new person. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You feel different. You make different decisions. This is what regeneration is. Now let me ask you a clarifying question. Clarifying question. Here it goes. Clarifying question is, why do we need to be regenerated? The answer, because we're dead. And you got you to gotta get to the place where you believe the, the stuff that I'm kicking here, which is all theologically true, um, or else you'll never appreciate regeneration. You'll never fully appreciate the good news until you're convinced of the bad news. The bad news is this. You are born into this world, into a nature, into, you're already born into the opposite side of God. You have a sinful nature. You can thank your great ancestors, Adam and Eve, for that. But come on, we have a greater Adam in Jesus who passed every test in the garden, who lives, who died, who rose, who then says, I want to even forgive you of your sins and adopt you into my family and give you a new heart and new mind. I want to give you regeneration. We need to be regenerated. Here's why. Because we're dead. Let me share with you a profound truth in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 are important. Ephesians 2 says it like this. Come on, can you read it with me off the screen? Ready, set, go. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Pause. Can I just clarify something? I got to come on. I got to go ahead. I'm asking. Okay, thank you. This does not say that you were taking a nap. This does not say that you were a good person, you were just struggling. This does not say that because of your religious deeds, you're a good... This does not say that you were just chilling and you were lazy. Brother, sister, this means what it says it means. It says that you were dead. Dead in your, you're a trespasser. 
God is saying, you're not allowed to do the things you've done or go the places that you went. You've trespassed. And the result of your trespassing is death. You have not only trespassed, but you have missed my holy mark. You've sinned. And let me just tell everybody in the room, all of us in the room at one point have sinned. If you are disagreeing with me, there's your one. It's called lying. In which you once walked. You once followed the course of this world. You were following the prince of the power of the air. His, he has a name, Satan. And his demonic forces that are trying to keep us away from the things of God. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. If you're not a part of the family of God today, you're part of a different family. And let me say it like this. It's black and white. There's no gray. It's not like, you know, I'm kind of part of the family of God and I'm also just kind of you know, trying to figure it out, you know what I'm saying? And I'm saying, like, yeah, I get what you're saying, but it's just inaccurate. There's either you're regenerated or you're not. Today, I want to give you the best news that I can give you is join the family of God by coming to faith in Jesus and realizing that you're a sinner in desperate need of a Savior, and then, bang, the, the, the Savior is actually present. And he's inviting you, and you don't have to pay a thing because he paid it all. Wow. How, how much do I have to pay to be a part of this family? Jesus paid your membership a long time ago. Stop trying to pay for it. Instead, it would be a good decision for you to receive it. Today, to approach Jesus with an open hand, not a closed fist, an open hand and say, Jesus, I receive the good news of the, the gospel. Let me show this, this to you in John chapter 1. In the beginning of the Gospel of John, we see this become a little bit more clear. John chapter 1, starting in verse 9. The, the scripture is, is declaring and appealing to us about Jesus here. It says, the true light, which gives light to everyone. I love the Las Vegas strip lights, but this is the true light, all right? This is a different type of light bulb. These watts are higher, amen? The true light which gives light, come on, somebody say to everyone, was coming into the world. Woo! I like getting excited for Christmas. This might be a Christmas text. <laughs> Never really seen this verse in the context of Christmas, but this, this is the truth. The true light was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, which is a profound statement that speaks to Jesus' divinity and his bigness to create. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. He said, here I am, my own people. And his own people did not receive him. Hey, some people might not receive your born again new nature. That happened to Jesus too. But who all did receive him, who believed in his name. Here's what Jesus did. You ready for what he did? He didn't give them a bigger bank account. The text says, he gave them the right to become children of God. Amen. Whoa, what a, what a big block scripture right there. Here's what Jesus did. The true light was coming into the world. He, he showed up and came to his own people first, although he was coming for everyone. His own people rejected him, did not receive him, did not choose to know him. But for all 
who did receive him, for all who did believe in his name. He gave the, the right. What a right to have. Make sure you know your rights. <laughs> you have the right to be a child of God. He gave the right to become children of God. Watch this. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Who were born again from God. Uh, the, the actual language talks about being born from above. Here on earth, you're born from below. Physical birth. Praise God for birth. Praise God for all that takes place in that miraculous moment. This is talking about a new birth, a rebirth, a born again. And I'm, I, I want to, I recognize this might not make sense to everybody in the room, but I want you to do your homework. I want you to wrestle with it. I want you to think about these things deeply. It'll change the course of your life. You have a heavenly father who has a great plan for your life. And he wants you to be a part of his family. I would even say today, even more than you being a part of Walk family, I want you to be a part of his family. I, I want you to know the Savior, the Father, who loved you enough to send his own son on a mission to save, to save you. To call you out of darkness, to call you out of sin, to call you out of wickedness, and to call you into his marvelous light, to call you into his regeneration. And you think about that idea in John chapter 3, Jesus says, you must be born again. Notice he doesn't say you might, or he doesn't say it's a good idea. He says this must happen. In order for you to see the kingdom of God... In order for you to make it to heaven, in order for you to have a real and right relationship with God, I don't want you to just have any relationship with God. I want you to have a right relationship with God. Some of us, yeah, you got a relationship with God. It's just not a good one. It's a bad relationship. Your relationship is actually dull. But a right relationship with God sees God as Father. And you see Jesus as Savior. And big brother and Lord, Jesus comes on a rescue mission as the, the son of God to adopt more family members. That maybe we would see and hear and believe and say, you know what, something happened to me on that day at Walk Church. It was a late day in the month of September, and I just, I was born again. That's our, that's our prayer. Look at, look, at the, look at the words out of Ezekiel chapter 36. This is a prophetic word that would speak to what Jesus would do. Verse 26, he says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. This prophetic word is speaking to what Jesus would refer to in John chapter 3 when he would say, you need to be born again. You need to have a new heart. You need to have a new spirit put within you. Right now, your heart is stone cold Steve Austin, all right? <laughs> tink, tink. Nothing can get through to that stony heart. Why? It's dead. But in regeneration, your heart, get, your heart is replaced with a new heart. 
and oh, this is the heart of the Father. And this is guarded and kept and convicted and comforted by the Holy Spirit himself. And you enter into a new right relationship with God. This is real Christianity. This is when you join the family of God. Today, I would say pray for that. I would say get in a room by yourself and don't leave until this happens. I would say get with God and say, God, change me, save me. Help me to feel that rushing wind that Jesus is talking about. Give me your Holy Spirit. Don't give me a worldly spirit. Don't, please don't give me a religious spirit. Check this out. Even Nicodemus needed to be born again. Don't come up here and say, I'm super religious. You ain't better than Nicodemus. That brother was the ruler of the Jews. And God loves Jewish people. God loves every people group. Nicodemus was trying to figure this thing out. And Jesus goes, truly, truly, I got the recipe. I got the ingredients you need. It's called being born again. Not physical birth, but a spiritual rebirth. And friend, that, that is the thing that I want for you. I want momentum on your life in that capacity. I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon, the great prince of preachers. Spurgeon says it like this. He says, the scripture does not say you must be improved, but you must be born again. You might hear me today wrongly say, improve your life. This is not a self-help sermon. This is not a motivational talk. This is life. This is death and life change. I'm not saying you need to be improved. I'm saying you need to be awakened. Improvement only lasts so long. Go to January. Everybody wants to hit the gym until it's February. Improvement doesn't do much for you. Self-improvement is, is really up to your own self-will. And all of us, the spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. We, we don't got it like that. But he does. That's my prayer uh, for you. That's my prayer for us. Let me give you the second, uh, the second way that new birth happens. It's the theological word justification. How does joining God's family happen? Well, joining God's ha- family happens through regeneration. New eyes, new life, this, this washing. And I would just even clarify in regeneration, it's not talking about the baptism that we're going to experience outside Getting water baptized is not what saves you. That's not the water that Jesus is referring to. There's a washing within the heart where our sins get washed away, where our our heart gets cleansed with this new birth. And we have regeneration. Water baptism physically outside, we're going to celebrate that in a minute. Water baptism is saying, here's what God did in me. I'm just showing y'all now. I'm giving you a picture through baptism. In fact, baptism is really a beautiful picture of regeneration. It's not regeneration, but it's the picture of regeneration. Oh, man, it's a great picture from going death to life. I was once in the grave. In fact, I was a zombie. And I came alive. Anybody ever remember the old uh, kind of scary movie, The Sixth Sense? And the little man was like, I see dead people. That's how we do. 
All day long, we, we're, we're walking around dead people. They're a functioning dead people. Doing stuff. But friend, I want to encourage you today that you don't have to stay dead. You can be regenerated. Amen? Oh, man. All right. Let me keep moving. Let me keep moving. Let me keep moving. I want to keep moving. I want to talk about justification for a moment. Justification is this big word that um, is really important for us to know. Justification is a biblical word. Justification is something that God does for us. And here's why. Let me give you the the clarifying question. The clarifying question, all right? Why do we need to be justified? Because we're guilty. Amen? Again, you're just never going to appreciate the good news. This is why so many people have such average relationships with their faith. It doesn't mean much to them. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm a Raiders fan. I'm Las Vegas. I work here. I'm a Christian. Like, no, that can't just be in the list. That's everything. Your faith in Jesus influence everything. Jesus wants to make it into every aspect of your life. He wants to come into your home. You're not first a husband. You're not first a spouse. You're not first a parent. Stop basing your identity on who you are in this world. Come on. Find your identity in him. Say, first, I'm justified. Ooh. Why do we need to be justified, friend? Because we're guilty. Why do we need to be regenerated? Well, friend, because you're dead. So these two things are beautiful when they happen to a a person. You become regenerated, you get new eyes, you get a new heart, you get a new spirit. Ezekiel 36 becomes true for you. You get washed from your previous life. You get entered into a new life, a life of faith with Jesus. And then you notice that he also justifies you in a real way. Um, I love what Romans 3 teaches us, that, that God is the just and the justifier. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, talks to this topic. Romans 5 tells us that that we have access before God because we are now justified through our faith in Jesus. Can I just tell you and remind you here today that God is a holy God? I I, I just want to remind, he's holy. Not anybody can just enter into the presence of God. In fact, any time you catch a vision of somebody in the Bible that, that gets a whiff of heaven, you know what they do? They fall on their face. In fact, they're terrified. There's a moment in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah gets this vision of heaven and he falls on his face and says, I'm unclean. I'm a man of unclean lips. I, don't, I can't be here. It's because he's in the presence of holiness. Now, praise God that this holy God will look at Jesus and say, is this person justified to be in my presence? And it's in that moment that you either have a right relationship with Jesus or a wrong relationship with Jesus, where Jesus says, oh, yeah, I know you. You're Joanne. Joanne came to faith and believed in me. Mike came to faith. Vashon, I, I remember when you put your faith in me and you were regenerated and became a new person. This is a son. This is somebody who's part of my family. So all of a sudden you get to ride in on Jesus's bill, on his tab. He paid for you. Justified. I love this verse out of 1 Peter 
chapter 1, verse 3. The text teaches us like this, 1 Peter 1, if we can put that up on the screen. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, he said it with an exclamation point. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. We are born again, friend. We are justified through faith in Jesus to a a living hope that cannot change that. Friend, I want to encourage you with the idea of justification. I want to encourage you with this reminder that you don't just sneak your way into heaven because of your good deeds. No, because of his good deeds, because of what the Lord has done in your place Because you now fall under his name, you've been given a new citizenship, Philippians says. You've been adopted into a new family. God the Father says you're justified. So you don't just go into heaven with your tail between your legs. Ah, This is is scary. No, you go in justified. You may have heard me say this before. It's this, just if I'd never sinned justified before God. That God could say, I'm just, I had to hold them accountable to their sin, but I'm also the justifier because my son paid for their sin. Justification is this identity of the believer that you can say, I'm regenerated, I'm born again, I'm a new creation, and my bill has been paid for. It's one thing for you to just be awakened and say, man, I'm glad I have a family, but now i got to pay this family back. That ain't it. That's religion. In fact, that, that could be a view of Catholicism. I, I'm, I believe in Jesus. I just got to earn it now. That's Mormonism. That's Jehovah's Witness. That's a lot of the world. I'm, I, I studied world religions in college. I have a degree in world religions. And I've noticed... All the global world religions have this essence of you got to earn it and hope God would maybe justify your good deeds. That is not, that's the furthest thing from Christianity. Christianity is not us climbing the ladder to get to God. Ooh, I got to get there. I'm going to get there. Christianity is Jesus coming down the ladder to get to us. Christianity is Jesus being born in a manger. To regenerate and justify and grab his kids and say, I came to, you could not climb a ladder. In the book of Genesis chapter 10, you find these cats try to build a tower big enough to get to God. Tower of Babel. Let's just add another story. Add another level. One day we're going to get to heaven. They were like light years away. And, And what happened? That thing just toppled over. You can't do that. That's not how this thing works. God's saying you can't earn it, but stop trying to earn it. Instead, receive it. To all who did receive, to all who did believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I want to look at Romans chapter 8, verse 30, if we can put that up on the screen. Romans 8, verse 30. It's a a beautiful text that I think helps us just appreciate the work and the transformation that 
that he has done for us. It talks about for the believer, it's, it's those whom he predestined, he also called. And when I talk about this, this language, I know it's, it's big, heavy theological language. Uh, the word predestined just means that before you were even born, God had you on his heart. Before you made a right or wrong decision, God already knew your name and already had a plan for you. He had a plan for you. He had a desire for you to come to know him and to receive him and to be adopted into his family. And it gave God great pleasure to do so. He call, that's the calling. Those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he also justified. Amen? And those whom he justified, now this is just icing on the cake. Oh, man. And he said, I got some glory stored up for you, too. Praise God for Christ. Amen. Those whom he, before you even could make the decision, God was thinking about you. How loved are you? Oh, my goodness. Come on. Throw off insecurity today. Find your security here. God loved me. He called me into his family, and he justified me. So I could step in with confidence, so I could move through life and not feel less than, but feel valued by my Father. My Heavenly Father justified me, and he also has a plan in in, in eternity to glorify me in my own way. I don't know how that's fully going to look. I can't give you all the context. That's probably another sermon. But man, it's just worthy of an amen today. Amen? I'm grateful for the realities of the gospel. There's a new record that takes place, a pardoning that takes place, that there's a sin debt. We're guilty, right? We're guilty before a holy God. We're, you know what Jesus says in the book of John? He says, I didn't come to the world to judge the world. You know why? We're already guilty. <laughs> Jesus goes, what type of judgment do I need to bring? All y'all are guilty. Jesus says, I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save the world. Notice the difference. Sometimes we think, oh, Jesus is here. He's got the clipboard. He's here to judge me. You're already judged. He came here to help you. He came here to save you. He came here to take your judgment and pay for it on the cross. Why should we have a high view of the cross? Because, man, don't get bored with Jesus paying your debt. Be thankful and grateful. Let that lead you to worship. Let let that lead you to get in here and say, if Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, right? Tim, thank you for the justification that's found in Christ. Look at at Titus chapter 3, verse 5. I know I'm hitting you with a whole lot of scripture. Titus 3, 5. Come on, read this with me. And I want you to read it with confidence. Can we try? Ready, set, go. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Woo! He did that. Notice the he language. He saved us. Not as a result of something that I did. I'm not righteous in my own strength but according to his own mercy. His own mercy came on display, and he washed me. He regenerated me. 
He put gas in my tank when I was just a car. I was in the, I was in the garage. I was collecting cobwebs. And then the Lord gave me a new engine, a new battery, a new, a full tank, a renewal called the Holy Spirit. The evidence of regeneration is the evidence of the Holy Spirit. And he justified us. It's what he does. Look, let me give you one more verse. Can I give you one more? Look at, look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 with me. Oh, in the NLT. Let's read it again. Here we go. Ready, set, go. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. Oh, rewind. This is what he wanted to Come on, rewind. This is what he wanted to do. Tell the person next to you, this is what he wanted to do. It gave him great pleasure. This is what he wanted to do. I'm grateful for a God who does whatever he wants to do, and for whatever reason, he wanted us to be a part of his family. Praise God for God. Let me give you the third and final point of this sermon here today. When it comes to how does new birth happen, new family happen, we talked about justification. We talked about regeneration. Can I just say this last one? Celebration. Friend, what should be the result of these two? The result should be, man, we should party. We should celebrate. We should get pumped up about Jesus. We should have a reason to sing, a reason to praise. Absolutely, you should have a little pep in your step. You've been regenerated and justified by the God of heaven. We should be people that celebrate. Now, let me answer the clarifying question. Why should we celebrate? Let me tell you, you should celebrate because God is worthy. The worthiness of God alone is reason to celebrate. Plus, a miracle's taking place. We should, hey, come on, don't we celebrate birthdays? Some people be like, oh, it's my month. I'm celebrating all month. My birthday month. You just took that liberty to just take the whole month. It's all about you, of course. I like it. It's my birthday month. Why don't we celebrate this birthday? Why don't we celebrate the new birth birthday? And I'm not saying you need to have necessarily a date. Like, this is my date where I became a born-again believer, um, I'd be where I got adopted into this family. If you have that date, circle it and praise God. Uh, for it, but at some point this happened to you or didn't happen to you, and it needs to happen to you. But that's just a reason to praise him. A miracle's taking place. What's the miracle? The miracle is God saved me. God in his holiness. I'm telling you, if one, look at me, look at me, church. If one, if one B group angel stepped in to attend this service today, you'd be freaked out. If, not, not the frontline angels. I'm talking about the secondary seraphim angels. If they said, hey, I'm going to sit up in the front row today, I would be like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> We'd be freaked out. God is big and holy and righteous. He's, he's, he's being worshipped by thousands of them. And I can't fully call it, but he loves us. He wants us to even be a part of his family. That's a miracle. We should celebrate, 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 celebrate that. 
I love this text in Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 talks about this idea of new birth. Uh, Verse 15 on display one more time. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. And some of us, I feel like, act like that. Sometimes I see people get saved and they fall into the slavery of religion. I got to work really hard to earn it. That was, that's what you got saved from. You got saved from that. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Some would say this idea of, of Abba is, is an intimate dad language. This is the intimate language of family. Whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We are children of God. So these are the three. I'll put them up on the screen one more time. Regeneration, that's how you become a part of God's family. Even if you never become a part of walk family, you can become a part of God's family through regeneration. The Lord saves you. It's not your own doing. It's you responding to his gospel. He gave you eyes to see it. And you said, yes, I receive him. Justification is in that moment, God justifies you as holy and righteous and blameless before his sight. Practically, you're unholy. Positionally, you're seated at the right hand. Positionally, you're seated with God. Practically, I don't feel like it sometimes. Positionally, I'm there. I'm justified. And your identity needs to catch up with your walk. Do you know who you are? You're a loved son or daughter of the king. And then, friend, I think we should celebrate that. Hey, whenever somebody comes to know Jesus, celebrate the heck out of it. When somebody, when somebody repents of sin and says yes to Jesus, oh, we should be the best celebrators, shouldn't we? There's a reason why we take our time with baptism. There's a reason why we honor people. There's a reason why we want to celebrate. In fact, it says in, in, in Luke chapter 15, Every time a sinner turns from their sin and turns to him, there is a party that goes off in heaven. I'm grateful that at every moment of time in the world, maybe it's somebody in Australia, maybe it's someone in Alaska, maybe it's someone in an underground church in China, maybe it's somebody in Las Vegas. At some moment, I think heaven's going to be a lot of partying. Yes, yes, amen. And we should celebrate that. I was, um, I was on Twitter yesterday, and I saw this video and this video was super random, and I watched it, and I was kind of, like, fascinated by it. I cut out, like, the first 10 seconds of the video because I felt like it was a little bit graphic, but it's actually a video of an elephant being born. I don't know if you've ever seen an elephant being born, but it's intense, all right? Um, but the first few seconds of this video show the elephant being born, and then what happens next I just thought was was really neat. Let's watch this quick video. Celebrating. I love that right there. The reason why it wowed me is because this little baby elephant pops out, and then the whole tribe just comes in. I don't know if you can hear the people. They just say, man, they're celebrating. They're celebrating. They're not trying to, like, stomp on the baby. They're just trying to celebrate the new birth. And, friend, that should be a picture of the church. That should be us. We should get around people. We should lift them up and celebrate them. 
and thank God for them and walk with them and celebrate, celebrate. Come on, somebody say celebrate. 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 Father, I just want to come before you right now, and I want to thank you for the new birth. God, I thank you for your family. Thank you that, God, we couldn't earn it. We don't deserve it. But you give yourself to us. And so today we respond. We respond with our hands open. We respond with our hearts open. We respond with our minds open. We respond with a posture that's ready to receive. Today, I want to give you this challenge. If you have not received Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, and you have not been regenerated into a new birth, whether you're online right now or in this room, and right now you would say, I'm ready. I'm ready to stop fighting against God. I'm ready to receive God. I want to invite you right now to do that. Just begin to call on his name. There's power in that name. Just right now, ask him for faith. Ephesians 2 says that we're saved by faith, not as a result of our works. God, we don't want to boast in ourselves, but God, that we would be saved by you and your grace. Join me in this prayer right now for all who would be ready to take that step. Or even if you've taken that step and you just want to reaffirm in your own heart, you can say, Jesus, I believe. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. I'm no longer defined by my past. I'm defined by you and your grace, your mercy, your love, your forgiveness. I'm yours. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me regeneration. Give me justification. I receive it. And I'm thankful for it. I confess I'm a sinner. And I confess you're my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on. Praise God.